welcome to this week's episode of Not Super Woman. Morning, Rat. Morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm like coming what back. What have you come back from? <laughs> Self-reflecting. Coming back to earth. <laughs> Self-reflecting from our incredible chat with the founder and director of The Design Files, Lucy Fagans. She was, she was very inspirational. And I love, I've loved her for years. That sounds wrong, but I, getting the design files email in your inbox, which used to be weekly and is now every day, sparks joy. Yeah, I, do you know what, again, I think I, I owned it in the um, Tarly Roth um, Home Sweet Home episode, but I'm, I'm, again, I'm not great with style. I'm not great with design. But don't you so, just love like sticky beaking into other people's homes, like strangers' homes? Yes, I do, but I never I, – I didn't realise and I was so um, excited when I did our research for our episode at just like not only the design files and how profound an impact it's now like an institution online for design, architecture and, and – Living. Lifestyle and living, but also um, getting her on when I like looked into her personal profile, I was – fascinated and intrigued about her being a woman in her uh, like middle-aged era and really wanted to talk to her about her wholesale changes that she made to her well-being. Um, yes, yes. And that's, to be honest, why we got her on the episode, just as much as understanding what it was to turn a blog that she started in 2008 into a big business. But then also now she's running this big business and as a woman and a mother you see her now making huge wholesale changes as in taking up running, stopping drinking and the the effects and positive impacts that that's had on both her personally and professionally. I did, I'm not going to lie, over Christmas I was drinking a lot and I'm still drinking a lot. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, every day I was like, Lucy, she's really fit, she's really healthy, you know, she looks great. I'm like, really, I should get on that bandwagon. Well, it's a huge Australian cultural thing, I think. It is. Uh, massive. And it's very rare uh, that you find um, people that go against the grain in especially, as as ridiculous as it sounds, but as like women in our age, it's that, that concept well, of drinking. like drinking. Everyone catches going up for a drink. drink. Yeah. It's all about drinking. Yeah. So um, she was, she was so... Um, just so interesting. She has a sense of self and strength that is second to none. Like I, I, I was quite... Yeah, she doesn't question the decisions she makes. She's got, you know, she seems like she's got it going on. Yeah. So and I want that in my life. <laughs> yes. It, it does. It, it, it's Rather than it being intimidating, it's so endearing and empowering at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and it rubs off on you. Mm. And you want you want to be like that. So I'm. we're excited to share this episode with you. Welcome, Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Welcome to this week's episode of Not Super Woman. We are very honoured and excited to have Lucy Fagans from The Design Files. She's kindly joined us today and we are so, um, Zoe and I are both beaming. A bit fangirly kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Zoe's gone a bit starstruck. I know. No, but we love like getting our dream guests on and we're thrilled. So thank you, Lucy. And Don't let us down. No. <laughs> um, and Lucy, I have done a bit of stalking and and like um, which sounds again very creepy, not to border on that. But um so I went through your career history and it's quite amazing. Like you studied and did a background of film and television. 
Yes. Yeah, and then in 2008 you um, took a leap of faith and I believe as a side thing you started the Design Files as a um, side hustle blog whilst doing film and TV production. Uh, Well, set design, sorry. Yeah. And then, and then from it sort of all grew from from there. At was it two thousand eight? Sorry, or was you? Did you start earlier than two thousand and eight? The design files. You know what? Firstly, thank you so much for having me. You're very kind. Um, when I was reading your little, you know, background research, your stalking that you've done before I got here, I was like, God, I need to refresh my memory on these dates myself. It's been a long time, but. Um, Yes, I started in 2008, started the Design Files as a little side project and I was working in film and TV in the set design department. I was a junior person really at that time. I was about, uh, well, I think I was 27 when I started the Design Files. Um, Is that right? These are the details that (laughs) someone needs to double check later. Um, And yeah, so, you know, I was just finding my way. It was the start of my career, really. So I was still, I was in film and TV and thought that was what I wanted to be doing and had some success, sort of. But um, it was a hard slog. And I think I realized, um, you know, when you just think you have this dream career, and then, you know, I I did it for like, I think it was seven years total in the end. And you sort of realize you get to the place you thought you wanted to be, where you're getting consistent work and the jobs are pretty good and the pay's okay. But you go, oh, oh, is this it? Oh, I've actually got there and I'm not actually that inspired by Mm -hmm. it, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I sort of realised it wasn't what I – I don't know. I I think I just had reached a ceiling and I couldn't really get beyond it. Yep. Um, And, yeah, at the same time I'd started this side project um, and it was just taking off and it just felt like the momentum was there. You know, it wasn't in film and TV. It was really pushing me in this new direction and it was very, very – different time you know on the internet the Instagram didn't exist if we can even cast our mind back to a time when I know it's wild yeah and um, Facebook was very in its infancy so you know the way we engaged with the internet was so different and so I think I was just at the start of a wave and it was it was really good timing Mm. and then so you started it on like on the side as in were you doing it like going and doing film and tv projects and then coming home and doing your blog yeah. So, um, you know, I guess one thing with film and TV is it's all contract based work. Um, so you might be on a contract for a week or in my case, you know, TV shows would usually be two or three months, maybe four at the longest. So there was always this up and down sort of um, workflow mm. for me. So I would sort of do more blog in the times when I was, you know, in between jobs. And, and also that was good, too, because, you know, when you're a freelancer, you feel a bit crap about yourself when you're not busy. So mm. it was it meant the there was worst always feeling. Yeah. So it meant you sort of always had this thing that was, you know, bubbling under whatever else you were doing that you could sort of um I mean come I'm, back to. Exa- exactly. And and I feel like a lot of creative people have um you know, side projects. You know, you might be a painter in your own time, you might, you know, enjoy dressmaking or whatever it is. I feel like there's a you know, it's it's not uncommon for creative people to have a side project. It doesn't mind sort of became my job in the end you know which is like that that's what I absolutely love especially about this interview is that you um the in the stalking I was reading (laughs) how like you your design was your passion and you loved you know um interiors and architecture and and all of those things that um, design sort of comprises of and then you turned it into something it's it's again like we're coming across these amazing women that have found something that 
you and have actually turned it into a fundamental kind of foundation and business for you to grow. Yeah. Can you take us through the steps of where what sort of strength to strength the design files went to from, you know, doing it in the off season of production through to then it becoming a full-time yeah. gig? Yeah. So I I think it was probably 2 years ish before it was really um a job that I that meant I could let the TV work go. So I was just doing it every night after work and then, you know, on weekends. And it was so, I mean, don't go back. Actually, I don't think you can anymore go back and see the early, early content. No, I love them. They were like the highlight of my week when they came into your inbox and you're like, yes. I mean, it was was pretty lo-fi back in the day. I was taking the photos myself. It wasn't professional quality like it is now. So, you know. I mean, Lucy, you are sitting in the living room. (laughs) (laughs) Just so the listeners know, this is a very professional setup that we have here. Anyway, um, but yeah, it was, you know, it was just, it was, you know, the benefit of doing something like that before Instagram and before there's a whole lot of people reading is, you know, you really, I didn't feel the pressure of all these eyeballs and I was just doing it my way and I didn't actually intend for it to be, gigantic thing which was actually quite freeing it meant I could just you know it was like a little um you know it, it really was sort of like a myspace or something you yeah. know back in the day and it um so you know it grew this audience sort of organically and I think at that time there was a bit of appetite for or well actually I was looking at blogs that uh, international blogs and there was a lot more going on overseas in America and stuff than there was here in, in blogland uh and those blogs like Maybe we're all of a generation that will remember these, you know, like the Design Sponge and all those type of ones, Oh Joy, and they, which were primarily American blogs I was looking at, they were sort of inspiring me and they had these advertisers and just like, you know, local homewares or design stores would be advertising on these blogs. So I sort of felt like, oh, well, that's sort of possible. I can sort of see there was a little bit of a precedent there overseas, but just nothing like that here going on. So um, I think I featured a few shops and businesses that whose you know product I liked and then they saw a good response and it was very organic they asked if they could have a little ad on the side and I just made these tiny little sort of postage stamp size ad blocks down the side of the blog and it was like you know I think they paid like oh maybe it was a hundred dollars a month or something to be there or something I can't even remember it's all about cash flow it was so basic back in the day honestly and then so then it was like it was so simple it was like okay well if I had 10 of those ads that'd be like a thousand dollars a month that'd be you know pretty great to start off with and it and it was you know when it was just on top of my you know my work it was sort of nice extra side you know money um but it really did just evolve from there from that very simple tiny um tiny steps and uh yeah, over time we grew more of an audience and then, you know, by the nature of growing an audience, you grow more potential advertisers and I just took every opportunity. Yeah. yeah. It, it really did unfold quite um, organically. I'm sure your workload varies and changes throughout each as the business grows, but was it like an overwhelming sense of commitment? Because the world of online is... Now I'm sort of learning as well. Never like, stops. It doesn't stop. No. So it's yeah, it's um look, back then the internet didn't feel like such a crazy race back then. It just felt like quite a nice measured pace, you know. Mm, mm. Um but I, I That sounds like, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Those days are behind <laughs> us, I'm afraid. But um yeah, I feel like I, I I was very committed though to um, putting something up every weekday. I felt like I needed sort of some momentum and needed to hold myself accountable. So I was, there were times when I had a really long day at work and then I'm working till 
you know, midnight or 1am to get a story published. And, but I was young and passionate and, yeah. you know, you got to the energy. Yeah. Well, Did you ever mature. self-doubt? Like, were there ever moments where you were like at peak overwhelm and you're like, I just don't know if this is what I want to do or if I can make deliver this? this? Yeah. yeah. You know what? No, not so much self-doubt thing. There were times when I was really exhausted juggling too many things, but um, I think I it, it, the, the big decision for me came when I was going to actually stop working in film and TV and just focus on the design files, and I felt like that was the big sort of, um, I guess if I had any self-doubt, that was the moment to have it. And I think I just, I mean, I was lucky because film and TV was, as I said before, contract-based work. So I didn't have to fully quit a job. I just sort of ended a job and made a commitment to myself that I was going to do the design files for like six months and just see and not, not seek any other work and not take any other work. And so I think, you know, that was the moment where I was like, well, this is the test. And, um, it didn't, you know, even talking about it now, it doesn't sound like the biggest risk in the world, you know. So, and you know, I guess I know, but not many people like again. I, like I look have back the on confidence my, yeah, to do it to go out in my twenties, and because um, I I should full transparency worked in film and TV as well, but I was in production in the office. Yeah, um, and same thing like the commitment um, and the hours, and then also you know I guess I idolised you know the Oscars and stuff growing up, and then I sort of got there and I was like oh. <laughs> well, you know exactly what I mean. Well, yeah. I mean, Australian film and TV is another thing. It's yeah. you know, it was a bit of beg, borrow, and steal in the art department. That's for sure. You know, it was though. Like it is, the budgets yeah. were tiny, and you're always having to, yeah, you know. I know. I totally hear you. But I, that being said, in my twenties, I didn't also have the gumption to kind of go out and go. I'm going to go and do something completely off my own bat. Whereas I guess Zoe, you did because you were doing your fashion label. Yeah, but I worked full-time while I did that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's never – well, I mean, it did get to a point where it did make money, but I always had to have something else on the side to kind of keep living off. Yeah, (laughs) the juggle. So 2008, so it's 2023, 15 years into the business – and, like, there's been so many life milestones for you, I guess, since then. Like, got, got a partner, you've now – you've got a daughter. I'm And a huge office. Yeah. Like, you've employed so many people. <laughs> it's not that huge, but it's yeah, yeah, we've got a pretty nice incredible. Um, yeah, I have a daughter. She's seven, mini. Um, and, um, yeah, and we've got a uh, design house. It's like a team of nine people now. Yeah, which is great. It's a good size. It's not huge. But, it's um, but then how do you how do you juggle like when you got to those each of those milestones was there like a tipping point of I need to step back I need to step up like which direction did each of those milestones take you yes well the business just really steadily and organically grew over over this time I mean it's been 15 years as you said before and we've got nine people so you know that's not crazy growth it's been quite measured and I am actually quite cautious about things like taking on staff, taking on overheads. I've always wanted, like, because I've never wanted to have too much risk, you know, or borrow a whole lot of money or anything like that. So I've really been quite um, measured and uh, cautious about growing, I guess, as a business. Um, But the one thing that probably was a pretty big um, milestone for me was choosing to, yeah, have a a daughter or have a child um, and then how that was going to work with work, Mm. which I think is a consideration for so many women Mm. um, is, you know, how the hell do I have a kid or have kids and uh, keep doing, you know, keep working or, you know, what does work look like in that context? So I definitely had that pre-baby freak out that probably many of us do. 
um, particularly because at that time my business was like, I think I only had three staff at that time. So it was like I was doing, and I still do a lot in my business. It wasn't, it wasn't like I could just hand my job to someone else for six months. Um, Because I can imagine it's sort of like, I mean, being not only a creative um, concept, but it's also your, like, like it's your, you're the engine room of the idea. So then how does the engine room sort of make the decision to step back? Well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really (laughs) step back and you know what, that really worked for me, but I know it's, it's sort of unusual, but um, I was thinking about this because I knew you would ask me this (laughs) as I was driving (laughs) over here. Um, I, so firstly, when I decided to have um, a a child, the big thing was I really had to have a sit down chat with my partner, Gordy, and we had the chat about, okay, what does this look like in our family? How are we going to do a baby? And, you know, um, how's it going to work? And we decided up front that we were going to be 50-50 on parenting, which he was really up for too. And, you know, luckily we do both work for ourselves, so we could make that work. Obviously, it's different in every relationship. So we really were, like from the outset, it was like 50% of everything is going to be shared, you know, and we're both going to go part-time for a bit at work and make all that work. So I felt sort of confident that it wasn't just on me, I guess, from after that those conversations. But then, and then I also, I did sort of um, make some plans that meant at work we didn't, I didn't have to go to, you know, heaps of shoots and client things in that particular six month period. But I only took about six weeks off work, to be honest with you. And um, so I didn't really have a maternity leave, a traditional one. Um, And you know what, that actually worked for me. What I did have was um, a heap of flexibility. And that's the great thing about working for yourself. I was able to you know, work from home at a time when nobody worked from home, um, you know, start work late, finish, you know, do work whenever I needed to and come come into work or have actually what we did uh, in the first few months was have um, whoever was looking after my kid, whether it be my husband or my mum, who's amazing, you know, would bring the baby to me yeah. three times a day to feed her um, in the office. So we just did all that juggling, in, but I didn't take the big chunk of time away from work, which mm-hmm. um, I've never really regretted. But I know some people do think that's crazy and go, I can't believe you wouldn't take the time off. But it, I don't no, know. I never did either. Yeah. And it, I think it's different personalities and what yeah. you can manage at that time. And once you had started a family and had your daughter, did it change the way in which your attitude of the design files? Like, did it have an influence into how you're going to move um, the design files forward? You know, not really. And it's funny, uh, it's, I sometimes listen to, you know, interviews with people or other podcasts about, you know, similar subject matter to this where women talk about how their perspective changed, their priorities changed after having kids and, you know, they felt differently about work. And that hasn't been my experience, to be honest. I've always felt like work is, um, it really fulfills me. I love it. It is my passion and it doesn't, uh, that hasn't wavered um, Mm -hmm. through parenting. I mean, I've only got one kid, let's face it. I know you've got three (laughs) and you've got two. So it's just like, you know, for me, it it hasn't been all consuming. um, And maybe that would be different if I had more kids, but for me, I felt like um, having becoming a parent and having Minnie has been an extra full sort of layer to my life, but it hasn't replaced anything and mm-hmm. I've, still, I, I, I've still remained pretty happy to be very all in at work as well. Mm. Yeah, but that's just me. You started the design files because you were so passionate about design. Do you find it sometimes challenging or tricky to keep the momentum and keep the, 
We're evolving. Evolving. Business. Yeah, I think, I mean, I do, I mean, anytime you have a setback in business, it's always a bit of a, you know, a regroup moment. So, you know, and we definitely have setbacks where, you know, um, you know, client projects don't come off or, you know, something we, a project we want to get up doesn't happen. And, you know, those are the times where you sort of start, yeah, second guessing where you're at. But I think... Um, Can I ask in with that though, like what then in those, because I know my personality type, like, you know, I would find the, the blow really hard to, to take. What keeps, is it something that, like you obviously have an innate tenacity you have an overarching vision of what where you want the design files to be that keeps you going. Like, how do you get through those moments where you've had something just bottom out or count, cancel mm. um, and you're like, all right, well, do you just revert to your team? Is it like... There's a few things that... Um, such a good question. Um, I think a big part of it is momentum. Like you're just... It's not like I'm... You know when you're in startup mode, you're sort of really pedalling so hard to get up to a certain pace and certain momentum. But once you're at that momentum, which we are sort of at now, it's like you're, you're sort of... Um, it's a different type of drive. It's not the drive that you need to get started. It's a drive that is just about... Uh, and certainly through the COVID times, like the lockdowns in Melbourne, mm. that was the mindset then was very much about momentum and maintaining a certain um, you know level of output, and 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 so it was it wasn't about like uh, you know being stressed that it wasn't gonna like I don't I don't feel stressed anymore about things like the money or you know whether we're having a good month or a bad month in sales because after 15 years in the business I sort of know there's a precedent there that we're not going to go bust overnight like mm-hmm. so the stress is sort of um it's different it's about maintaining where we're at not like growing or like you know bending over backwards to sort of um build something it's it's more about but but then with the momentum as well there's different challenges so the challenge is the expectation and there's a lot of eyeballs on us all the time so the stress isn't so much about how we're going to get through this month or you know if we've lost a big contract or it's it's cancelled or it's postponed due to COVID what are we doing instead it's more like um you know the stress is more like oh god what are people going to say because we've had to cancel this thing we said we were going to do or you know like Mm. yeah so it's it's just a different type of stress but I think the momentum is what keeps it all going and also I must say yes it is the team but it's not what you think like I don't feel like I turn to my team to lift me up it's more that I feel a bit like a um like again to go back to the I don't want to talk about COVID too much it's so depressing but like you know the last couple of years were so stressful and, and no, hard. So, like it's, it's so formative it like it's completely shaped and changed trajectory for businesses you know yeah, so it is it's relevant yeah. yeah but I think in that time I really felt the um the need to to rise uh, to be a leader for my team and sort of um like I'm a bit of a mother hen like I really feel like they are fine if I you know what I mean and so yes steer the ship exactly so I sort of feel like that um it keeps me on track because I've got this this group with me that um you know really respond to my to where I'm at and my headspace so it keeps me level actually having them there does that make sense yeah and you all know each other's strengths and weaknesses and when someone's flat someone else lifts yeah totally you all support each other it's funny because I identify that even being a homemaker because I'm like if I don't have it together and have the vision of what we're trying to achieve for the week the month the year 
the kids and Tom, everyone loses momentum trajectory. Like absolutely, and but it takes a lot of um, you know. I guess like speaking of mental health, like how do you how do you have enough energy? Because I find you need to a lot time for yourself to be able to have that vision and forecasting for say running a business and running a family. Like how do you even have enough capacity? Do you prioritize it? You know, to to be able to, what do you do to to be able to forecast for the business and for your family? And because I was, for example, listening to Chrissy Chrissy Swan speak recently on the Imperfect, well, and she, and walks. she was walk, and you run, well. yeah, it, yeah. I was thinking that when I listened to that episode, yeah, um, yes. Uh, so I guess, well, you know what? There's a lot of stuff I just don't do that I'm really bad at. And actually, yes, everyone should listen to that episode with Chrissy Swan, oh, yes, so because much. I really did a lot of it resonated with me. And so the one thing that I actually really loved hearing her say was that she's really not on board with the school commitments and stuff because I'm a bit like that. And, and it's the one me. thing I fail at. I'm like, oh, like, I mean, I can do it. the school lunch thing. That's fine. I've only got one kid. But, you know, the extracurricular stuff you have to do sometimes with school or like signing up to do the working bee stuff, I'm so bad at it. If any of the school mums at my school hear this, they're going to be like, yes, you are. <laughs> But I honestly, I, I just am not, that's the, the, I really do fall behind big time on that stuff. Like I don't put my hand up for anything. I am not volunteering at the school fate. I'm really sorry, but I just, I just, that is definitely my um, Achilles heel. But, <laughs> but we spoke to a great guest last week, um, you know, which something that I've taken away from it and have been thinking about all week. She's like, you don't have to be the mother that goes to everything. She's like, if you know, there's any advice I can give you, it's don't go to everything because, and you know, I think about my mother and my father and of course I went to some things. I didn't go to everything, everyone worked. Yeah. And that I think made me, you know, appreciate it when they were there. Yeah. And I was fine when they weren't. No, exactly. I think we were all fine. And now there's just a lot of expectation to be a bit more. There's so much pressure on you to be there. There is. And I think as well, like strengths and weaknesses, but not that it's a weakness, but it's like everyone at different times in their lives has something that they can prioritise or be proactive with, that your contribution will be different in a different way. Exactly. But it doesn't actually have to be the volunteer at the school fair. Yeah. No. It, yeah. That, so that, that's, Mind you, I did just come this morning from volunteering. Don't say volunteering <laughs> Oh, my God, fair. she's showing off. No. <laughs> but I can't, I've got to say the anxiety levels are high because <laughs> I'm stressing about the popcorn machine and how good. Oh, it's so stressful. Why is that stuff so stressful? It's so I stressful. And other mothers could be kind of quite mean as well. Like, I don't I think they're mean to me. I think no, it, they if you don't, can't, but they're just – I, I know, know. I know what you mean. I it's think the, we assume that they're thinking – like I always think that other mums are thinking I'm not doing anything, but actually not even thinking about me at all. I'm just building care. that up in my yes, head. Yes, you know yes, okay, okay, that's exactly what I'm thinking yeah, too. Yes. Anyway. I do, yeah, make time for um, – Running has been my latest thing, which I'm, you know, really bad at. But it is just my me time thing that I do every few days, every couple so of days. So what – can you take us through the reality of what that is? Like how do you factor it into your day? Okay. So firstly, I just want it to be known that I'm really quite average at running. If anyone ever sees me out running, <laughs> don't expect me to – it's not like a fitness guru situation at all. It's do like – No, absolutely not. That's not <laughs> happening ever. Um, but I did sort of discover running in lockdowns because, you know, we were we all needed something at that time and it was one of the only things you could do. So I sort of started to get into it in the last couple of years. And this year I have taken it up a notch because I signed up to, um, you know, Taria Pitt. She's amazing. Oh, She's yeah. so inspiring. 
So she's got this thing called Run With Taria, which is like a 10-week program just like online, very much focused on women and mums actually, um, which, you know, we've got very different bodies to, uh, to blokes. Like it's actually quite good to have a program that's specifically geared towards us. And yes. um, so anyway, I've been doing that and it's just motivated me to run three times a week because I was only doing it about once a week before that. Um, and so I've sort of leveled up a bit this year with, um, cause I'm inspired by that program, but I really think, you know, like Chrissy Swan, it's really more than anything, more than fitness, more than anything else. It's just about having, you know, 40, 40 odd minutes, 45 minutes to myself completely in my own, you know, head every, every second morning. And, uh, I've, I've tried like meditation stuff and it's not for me. I can't slow my brain I'm down. shaking my head. I'm like, no, no. But, but running is that for me. It's like, you know, it gets me out of the house. I can't really be on my phone and stuff while I'm running. I've got to, you know, you, you're sort of just, it's just you and it's, and it's just in your own head and it's, outside and I don't know it just Get fresh air yeah it, 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 it is it's, it's um I, I yeah I'm I'm a walker I love walking and the amount of focus that I get at the end of it incidentally like you don't realize that literally you're just fresh air outside away removed from devices all that sort of thing yeah um it really does it makes such a huge difference it changes your mindset for the day it's so rare. It's, it's really good for you. I'm inspired. Lisa. You, are, you have been inspired. You have talked about it for a while. I'm yeah, yet to see yet to the action. <laughs> but whatever works for you. You know, walking is equally as good if that's what – I think just with me, running seems more efficient in a way. I'm like, I can if I Quicker. do that for half an hour, I feel like I've, I'm done and that's fine. But if I walked for half an hour, I probably wouldn't feel as accomplished or something. Yeah, like agreed. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. 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 So do you attribute running to your, like, sort of mental health and sort of – uh, well-being in helping you function with your day-to-day to day decision-making for the business. Definitely at the moment. And also like brain fog. You know how like, I don't know if you guys have experienced that feeling of like just foggy brain, like you just can't make a decision and you're like, oh, what, you know, yeah. I just get angry at myself for not yeah. being clear-minded. And I think every the, day. Yeah. <laughs> well, the running is such a game changer. I feel like that clears, like keeps the fog at bay for me anyway. Yeah. And then through, so like speaking of well-being, it was also through James Vivian that we came across your post that you did with him, the collaboration post about um, well-being and deciding to take a break from drinking. Yes. So that seems massive. I mean, especially I'm at a point, well, I think Zoe and I probably both are, where we've got older children and there's less, um, like there's no, you know, breastfeeding or things going on like that so then and then more social events and more functions and it's just becoming more and more and more and more consistent that like you have a drink with a friend a wine a school whatever yeah how like what led you to was it work functions was it socializing what was your decision making was it COVID yeah yes um so I yeah I stopped drinking uh I did like dry July two Julys ago so it will be it's I think I've done a year and a half of not drinking and it'll be two years this July um which is crazy I have to say like when people when I say that I feel like I sound a bit like a crazy person because if you'd said that to me five years ago I'd be like I would never do that but here I am and I did I, I am doing that um but essentially yes yeah, so in the lockdowns what happened was I was feeling a bit stressed and down like the rest of us wondering you know what where the world was going and you know uh and if we were ever going to get out of lockdown yeah <laughs> and just like lack of you know stimulation and just boredom and you know stress and whatever and um 
So I was just drinking too much. Like I was buying, I used to be the sort of person that would have a couple of drinks out, but very rarely would drink at home, you know, but having a bottle of wine at home and then buying full cases of wine because you're like, well, I know we're going to drink this because we're so stuck we at home. But does Gordy drink with you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he did. Although, yeah, he does drink a fair bit, but he, he likes beer. So I was more on the yes, wine. So it was a bit me. different. Yeah. Yep. But um, yeah, so basically I just noticed, I, I just had a really, inc- uh, I was, I started to get this inkling that the, the, the alcohol was starting, it was starting to get a bit much. You know, when you get that feeling just in yourself, you're like, it's, awful. Mm, mm. it's a bit much. And I feel like I'm not in control of it. I feel like I get home and I literally have a, I, like every day from Monday, I was having wine after work, not just Thursday, Friday, you know, every day. And then it was one drink, but then you top your, up your glass. And before you know it, you've drunk a whole bottle every night. Mm. Yes. You literally. And I'm like, yes. okay, so I'm now drinking a bottle of wine a night. This is not normal, but it really crept up on me through lockdown, yeah, you know, and I never mm. used to drink like that before. So I just started, I was sitting with that for a while and I was continuing to drink, but going, this doesn't feel good. And then also feeling crap in the morning and, and the brain fog again and all that stuff. And I just, but I, I think I needed to feel it. Like I couldn't have just stopped drinking overnight. I really had to start like, my, it took me about six months of going, this isn't good. I need to figure out, you know, how to get out of this. It's not working. And so I started, I, I think my, it took me a while to get, to psych myself up essentially to, to, to stop. And I had a friend doing dry July. Um, and uh, I just, yeah, so that must've been, you know, the lockdowns ended or whatever in the end of a year. And then I had another six months of drinking quite a bit still before I really, you know, worked up the courage to do the dry July. And I did that. And I just felt so good that I never went back and I didn't, I didn't plan to fully quit. I thought I'll just circuit break and then, you know, return to moderate moderation. But I was just like, why? Like I just, and I'd sort of, I think I just didn't trust myself to be, to, to moderate. So I was like, it's just easier. It's just easier to not drink. um, So then how does that work with work? And um, like, I, I, the design files Instagram and stuff and you've got so many events and yeah is everyone else accepted it because that seems to be the biggest problem or do you just not talk about it and just do you and and no one else cares like do you yeah. think it's a thing that we think that people would care like the school fair it's so but true no one no, actually a, cares and no one cares <laughs> I know, so few brutal. people care maybe a couple people care but honestly it's it you're, you'd be surprised not only that no one cares but that no one notices no like you go to an event maybe the first person offers you a drink notices if you decline or you know ask for something else and beyond that everyone's in their own world and everyone's they're studying and they're doing yeah I don't know it's um I guess I do have a strength of character in that way of like not really caring that much about judgment think. but um well firstly when I first quit it was dry July so that's really easy because you're just like oh dry July I'm doing dry July oh good on you you know no one's going to be like what do you mean you're quitting alcohol they're just like yeah, no they accept about it. They that it's dry July yeah. or, mm-hmm. or Feb fast or whatever it is so it's a, always a good time to start because you've sort of got a groundswell of support generally um at you know those times and then from there I think alcohol is such a strange like cultural thing where it is definitely, especially thing. in Australia it, yeah I just I think my experience has been no one cares much and they it's not they're not even that proud of you for not drinking they just actually don't care what you're doing <laughs> like that, you know what I mean like it's it's we don't have time I don't care. know like, they, And yeah, I mean, I went through a whole thing of like, you know, so when I was um, doing Dry July, I read a whole lot of books on it because I sort of got a bit obsessed with it just for that month. And so I was reading a lot of books and it was really helping me stay motivated because I was feeling like, 
Yeah, well, and understand know. the negative impacts and, un- and yeah, how understanding it makes you feel why I'm the feeling. way you feel. Yeah, exactly. One, uh, yeah. So I think that. Do helped you me. remember? Do you know which books you were reading? Yeah. So the one that I always recommend to people is um, it's called This Naked Mind, and it's by a writer called Annie Grace. And I actually listened to the book. Yeah, don't worry. Oh, yeah, you should share a link to that. So that was the game changer for me. There's quite a few books. That one I'd listened to as an audio book and it just really spoke to me that month. And then I think it honestly changed my brain on alcohol. I just didn't feel like it as much after I'd read that book. Um, but I do, I feel like I hate sounding evangelical about not about this stuff. Like I hate to sound like a preacher in any no, way. But if you, you know, if you are interested, that is a good book to, to, to listen to. No, but do you know what? It's so refreshing because, like, it, it, it's definitely, I think, we it's very topical, with. especially in women of our age bracket, yeah. where you, you also can then end up in, uh, like, circumstances where you're literally going to a wine with a girlfriend, a, a wine after school, a wine with dinner, a wine, and then all of a sudden, yeah. like, how you know, how much is too much and the moderation piece becomes really but difficult But also I find time. my parenting suffers i'm oh, yes. very short-tempered yes i'm narky i'm angry i'm not a nice person to be around and and who's that affecting that's affecting my loved ones my children my friends i know <laughs> i know we both need you to know and that's book. not yeah being more patient make you feel good no yeah being more patient with my daughter has definitely been one of the key things i noticed the key benefits and um I feel like when you talk to me about it, I can sense that you're say, you're like, but how does it work with your friends and your family and da da? But I think the point is like, that's a very early anxiety about not drinking, and there's a lot. That's sort of the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of sort of cultural baggage under that, and. Mm. So you sort of need to just, in your own time, if you're interested in it, read the books and like follow. There's a bunch of cool people on Instagram that are sober curious or drink sometimes, but you know, not all the time. And they're sort of, I don't know. I just, I think I immerse myself in a new cultural world of listening to a lot of different voices that weren't the mainstream because alcohol consumption at every major event and every Friday and every weekend is actually the norm and it is everywhere. And it is so hard to sort of, it's like, you know, swimming in this sea of what everyone's doing it one way and, like, it it definitely is hard to imagine being the one fish that's swimming in the opposite direction mm. um, because you're in this culture that is already so saturated with, mm. with alcohol consumption. So the, I think what I'm hearing when you say that is, like, because you, you're just the one little voice that, that hasn't quite immersed yourself in these sort of more alternative ways of yeah, and look, by yet. nature, I'm a people pleaser. And so to turn around and say no to people feels really difficult to me. And and uh, it's weird how, smu- how much I'm, I'm comfortable to do it in, in a lot of circumstances but that one. Yeah. Like it feels like, oh, like, oh, God, I don't want to let people down. I don't want to, you know, it's, you sort of almost marry the life of the party with, 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 you know, having a drink. But, you know, being the life of the party without would surely benefit benefit you better anyway but I just have found it fascinating because you've cultivated a, a career for yourself and then you have built it into a big business 
And then somehow, and whether it be COVID was your tipping point, but there seems to be this um, whole, like this sort of wholesale change of realizing that um, running, you know, taking up running and then deciding to immerse yourself in the curiosity of not, not drinking. drinking. Those decisions, I think, feels like they come at a certain point where you're ready, where you're like, think you're making lifestyle decisions, yeah. life changes, those sort of things. And so it's quite fascinating to talk to, especially women that um have have done that gone and done that for themselves about you know what your experience has been yeah and not necessarily to put you in a position of being an advocate but uh, just more so like you know it's fascinating because I can see all of our friends and the topics that we discussed today and Zoe and I on a regular basis is is you know like every oh, Monday morning yeah like <laughs> yeah literally every Monday morning but getting fit getting healthy, how do we take care of ourselves? Like this sort of period in our 30s and 40s where, and, you know, 50s. Well, you want to prioritise your health. Yes. ultimately if the wheels fall off you, they fall off everyone. Yeah. But don't you think maybe – see, now that, now I feel like I'm in a therapy session. But like, <laughs> no, when I'm you really... say it like that, I didn't actually put two and two together and I have never really connected the not drinking and the running and stuff. But I think – so I'm 42 and I certainly think when I turned 40 there was a bit of a change in my mindset of like – what are we doing here, Lucy? Like you're not just going through the motions of working every day and, you know, earning money and ticking off the, the basic things of like tick, get married, tick, have a kid or whatever your goals are. I think at that point when I turned 40, I was like, right, you know, what's the end game here? You know, you're not, you know, you're not in control of your drinking. So what's going on? And sort of that honesty and also a bit of like just holding yourself to account a bit. And, and I think being quite purposeful about what you're doing instead of mm. just like going through the motions of life and when you've got very young kids you absolutely are going through the motions you're just yes. like get me through today yes survival but when you get to this age and your kids are that little bit older I think you start to go okay yeah well, what am I being purposeful in every decision I'm making mm. or am I sort of just like letting life get out out of control or out, out from me you know I yeah totally yeah. you need to be responsible for the decisions you're making where you want to go and and where you want to be and yeah I think you just realize that if you don't make decisions about what do I want to be drinking or what do I want to be doing for my health and fitness then they will sort of just be made for you it's honestly the sort of protagonist of why we even started doing this podcast even I know we all feel like we're in a therapy session but is the is that these pressures and trying to juggle and balance and play roles and people please and all these sort of topics that we talk about we wanted to sit down and like learn and and it doesn't necessarily always have to be a a fact and a and a a top tip it's also like a um sort of engaging in a way that we're learning from each other so then it's for you now it feels like you're at that point where you're making these lifestyle and executive decisions for yourself and in turn for the business like what's your vision for where do you see the design files going I feel like I know that we need to sort of evolve again because every business does and particularly when your business lives online you certainly need to always be evolving but I I I, I do need to psych myself up for it a bit because I'm still coming out of that um, safe mode of the last couple of years and I really have to sort of figure out, uh, you know, what's next and uh, where we want to move into. Um, so Sounds like it needs a run. You need to run <laughs> exactly. on it. Exactly. I do. I need to run on it. <laughs> and then we. this is a question that we always ask each of our guests, but a bit of a hindsight question, what you would 
tell your younger self, and I think with you it's in regards to what you've learnt running your own business um, and then separate to that, and again, what you have experienced and like the hindsight you've learnt in juggling a number of different roles, being partner and mum and business owner and, you know, and a creative concept maker. <laughs> oh my God, such a big question. So like what I would tell my younger self going, yes. going into those roles. Yeah, so running your own, let's start with running your own business. If you could go back and tell yourself something when you were starting out, is there something integral that stands out to you that goes, don't why do did this, I do that? why did I do that? No, do this. yeah, so on the business front, I actually think I probably could have been taken a few more risks. Like I have been very cautious, particularly in the early days of like, like my first employee I hired like one day a week and then I gradually had a two days a week and then you know I really was scared of like is this even gonna you know work so I think I I probably would tell myself you know you can take a few bigger leaps along the way um and yeah to have the confidence to do that rather than being super cautious at every possible juncture um but yeah I don't feel like any made I made any crazy bad decisions so yeah and then as uh, hindsight of like what you're learning in regards to the juggle of all the different roles that you play? I guess I would say it's okay to do it your way. Certainly for me, having my um, my daughter and feeling like I was doing the whole um, new baby thing very differently to most people. I didn't do the maternity leave. I didn't do mother's group because I was at work. I couldn't do it. And I felt like I was like, oh God, am I doing this wrong? You know, everyone else seems to be doing it that way and this is definitely a weird way of doing it. And I think in retrospect, I'd be like, this is your way. You're actually really happy and fine with this. So don't worry about what everyone else is doing, you know. I love that because you can apply that to so much of what we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. No, so that's that's amazing. And to be honest, as you said, even doing going out and creating a business your way. Thank you. Thank you, Lucy. I'm going for a run. (laughs) (laughs) and I'm reading that book I'll be walking behind you (laughs) thank you so much you've been incredible and we're so grateful that you've afforded us the time so thank you oh it's been so lovely chatting I feel like I learnt something about myself as well so thank you oh good really (laughs) triggering session (laughs) thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Not Super Woman you can Find extra resources, links and information on our website, which is notsuper-woman.com. Is that a dash or a hyphen? A dash is a hyphen, Rash. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> um, and if you're enjoying what we're bringing, you can follow us on our socials and we're across all podcast platforms. So hit subscribe, guys.